So what happens when you're trying to train with a ruptured Achilles? <laughs> <laughs> Further rupture. Further rupture of your Achilles. Alright, we have questions from your trainers. If people, I guess. The fans. The fans. We have questions <laughs> from the fans. That is, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> we are making this shit up, people. Um, I mean, I've, we've answered this question before. Oh, great. Let's see if I can change my answer then. Uh, how do you train female powerlifters differently from male powerlifters? Just yell louder. Just yell. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <Aye>, stop being <laughs> stupid. <laughs> um, there, there can be a lot of answers to yeah. this. Um, Which is why I picked it. I mean, generally, there's not much difference. I mean, they're, we're not changing the movements necessarily. Um, I think we do, to generalize, we do more upper body work for women. Uh, they usually have a little bit less upper body muscle mass. So we're doing a little bit more upper body work, especially in the bodybuilding, to build more mass. Um, once we switched over to a more higher volume, higher frequency pressing program, our women really started to bench more. Um, we've got seven or eight women probably that bench over 200 raw. We've got a couple that are very close. Um, and I think that's been a huge benefit. Uh, generally, women will handle a little bit more volume. Um, and that's not just, not just upper body, I'm talking about lower body volume too. Generally they can handle a little bit more, uh, a little higher end on the sets and reps than the men can. Um, they also recover a little bit faster so they can train with a little bit shorter rest periods or they can train maybe a little bit more frequently. Um, those are, I think just, I mean, those are basic generalizations. I think they also bitch less <laughs> than the men. Um, we were joking about this the other day, like we were talking about it, like getting into the into equipment for some of the other lifters. Like our men won't do it, but all, our women are all like, "Yeah, I'll try it." Um, women are less likely to go off program. Um, you know, they're they. Again, I'm generalizing, which I generally don't like to do, but it's just it's easier for this aspect. At least it's, they they generally listen to what they're supposed to do and then do it appropriately more often um, instead of going off program or asking if they can do something that's totally stupid. Um, but yeah, for the most part, like I said, there's not it's not that different. It's not like not like we're training a different species. Like it's just, you know it's it's pretty small changes. Um, and I think as you get stronger, the changes become even smaller. Um, you know, as women start to handle more weight on the bench press, or their volume and frequency are going to come down a little bit because it's going to take a little bit longer to recover from. Um, you know, a guy benching 400 compared to a woman benching 150, just naturally the, the woman's going to recover faster. But when that woman gets up, you know, two plates, she's going to start to recover a little bit slower too. So she's not going to be able to do as much volume. Um, or as much frequency, so it's as they get stronger. I think that you'll see even less differences, um, and I, I think. And then at the beginning, I think the differences are more because the women that are coming over from a non-profiting background, generally we have to convince them that lifting the heavier weights is not a bad thing. Don't be afraid of it. Um, 
if anything, it usually helps in all aspects anyway. So where guys like want to max out on day one, women often are more worried about lifting the heavier weights. So it's more about changing that mindset maybe. Um, but like I said, I don't, it's not, it's minimal. Like I don't, I don't look at it and say, okay, this is a, this is a female client. Therefore we have to do this much differently. I look at more of like, okay, this person's, you know, maybe we get this, we need to do this, but I would do that whether it be male or female. I don't think it's, you know, if they're, if their lockout sucks, we're going to do similar things. It's not like we're going to do different things because the female's lockout sucks compared to the male's. Like it, it, we still have to work on the same issues. Uh, does so between gender doesn't matter, but the between experience, how would you train someone who's first starting to power lift for someone who's kind of been doing it for a while and maybe, I don't know, doesn't need as much. Um, I was talking to someone about this the other day and I, I sometimes need to remind myself, um, about it cause I, it, this sounds super cocky, but as we've been doing this for a while, like we get a lot of higher level lifters. So when I get a newer lifter, it's, um, often very different and I have to remember to not program for them <laughs> as though they've been doing this for seven years. Um, but I, I usually talk about it in the idea of like a training diamond. I think a lot of people talk about it like more like a pyramid. Um, I think when you're a beginner, um, you need to focus on very small group of movements and get really good at them. So like learning how to squat well, learning how to um, like do an RDL, um, some kind of a push, whether it be a push-up or a dumbbell press or a bench press, some kind of a pull, which usually is going to be like a chestboard row or a bent-over row, um, and some core work and some single-leg stuff. So, I mean, I know it sounds like a lot, but it's actually we're talking like maybe six or seven exercises. Once you can get really good at those six or seven and you're not really a beginner anymore and you start to become more of like an intermediate, then we'll start branching out and try to do as many exercises as humanly possible. Um, and that's where all the different variations come in, all the specialty bars and all the different grips and stances and all that so we can um, get stronger at every position and every movement. And then as you get stronger again and become more advanced, then we start to start to kind of come back to um, more specificity again and doing less exercises. I think this is where a lot of people start to screw up, though. I don't, I don't think... Just because you're advanced, you have to only do squat, bench, and deadlift. I think the variations you do have to be more pinpoint. They need to be more targeted towards you. So, like I said, when you're an intermediate, I can give you 25 different squat variations. But when you're advanced, you, you know, you've got your competition squat, obviously. But then maybe you only have two or three uh, variations that we know have a carryover for you that will help your competition squat. Where when you're intermediate, it might be 25. And when you're a beginner, it's literally just learning how to squat better. Um, so it might only be one. Um, I think people forget that. And when they get advanced, they start doing just the competition squat. And you're missing out on some of those things that you can get from those pinpoint variations for you. Um, I think the other part that goes along with that is being an elite level lifter and being advanced are not the same thing. Uh, we have a lot of elite junior lifters that are uh, 
you know, to, uh, that are placing at nationals, placing at worlds, winning worlds, things like that. And I don't mean just from our gym. I mean, I was, I'm talking like in America primarily. Um, that makes that makes them an elite level lifter if you're if you're placing that high, but that doesn't mean you're advanced. They some of these have only been lifting for a couple of years. They just happen to be very very strong. Um, so I think you need to remember that too, and that's where there's they're still intermediate in the fact that they could be doing tons of lifts and probably getting stronger overall. Um, and they're not advanced yet. Advanced to me is more um, time time more of a training age than a training ability um you can you could walk in on day one and never lifted weights and be very strong I like I remember hearing like from like with Andy Bolton like the first time he ever deadlifted he pulled like 600 like you know and, he, and that's better than almost everyone so like does that make him advanced no he had never deadlifted before in his life you know but then 10 years later when he deadlifted a thousand at that point he was both elite and advanced and like now he had to be doing very specific things to get to where he needed to be but you know you can walk in on day one and be very strong that doesn't mean you should be doing only competition lifts it means you still need to build up your base and um, work up accordingly and I think that I said that I think that's a big thing that a lot of us miss I think it's become very uh, trendy trendy is a good word for it to really focus on the main lifts and the main lifts only. And what it does is like you get very good at the lifts very quickly because you're um, getting very gnarly adept at the exercises and just practicing them all the time. But you're leaving some stuff on the training floor because you're not training necessarily your weaknesses. You're getting better at what you're good at and just working around those certain positions where maybe you need to focus on something else to bring up a weak point to push yourself to the next level. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit. Uh, coaches are starting to come back a little bit towards those variations, which is good, but it has been trendy for a while to just be like, comp, comp, comp. Um, and I think, you know, like when you're like Andre Milanichev and you're, you know, totaling some ungodly number, then yeah, it may, probably makes sense to be doing squat bench dead and one or two accessory movements. But when you're, when you've been powerlifting for a year, you can be doing a lot more. And I think people forget, like, yeah, powerlifting is the sport, but the whole idea of training is to get bigger, faster, stronger, leaner, and it's not just competing in the sport. So training is like this lifelong endeavor that powerlifting becoming hot lately has, like, like changed that a lot. Yeah where people are focusing just on the outcome of getting stronger at those three lifts and forgetting that there's 10 million lifts that we can do that get better at um, and just better ourselves. So I think that needs to kind of come back into play a little bit. And as that happens, I said, I think, I think you'll get people will get even stronger. It just might take a little bit longer, but they'll also be, I think we'll be healthier over time. I mean, I could be making this shit up completely. I don't know. We'll see. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I was saying that it comes from a, a very trainer and like standpoint because uh, as as athletes we don't really we don't we're not really looking at long term looking at all right next competition we want to hit these numbers I want to be you know the fucking strongest there right so I mean it just makes sense like oh if I want to be stronger at those lifts I'm just right. gonna do those lifts 
since we were just talking about basketball off air, yeah. um, <laughs> what I always, I always bring this back to, like, if you want to get better at basketball, then you have to practice every aspect of basketball where with like with, you know, training, uh, weight room training for basketball is just general. So it's just trying to get just bigger, strong, stronger, faster, leaner to make basketball better. But if you want to be a better basketball player and you just shoot foul shots all day, then you'll become a great foul shooter. And then when you go to the elbow and there's someone in your face and you can't shoot the ball because you have never practiced that, you're in trouble. So my argument with lifting when it comes to powerlifts is like, okay, we can focus on the big three all the time, obviously, but when something breaks down, whether it be due to injury or a technical breakdown or just because the weight's too damn heavy, what do you go to next? If you don't have any of those other backgrounds that you haven't been, that you haven't trained, then what do you do? So like if you're getting, um, you know, if you get out in front of the bar, like, so the bar gets out in front of your feet on a squat and your, you know, your hips shoot up and you're forward. I mean, obviously we want to work on technically having that not happen, but if you've never done a moderately heavy good morning, then you might not be able to get back from that position and save the lift. You might just end up missing the squat where if you've done some heavy good mornings, maybe you can kind of save that lift and still get the rep um, instead of missing it and then just telling everyone how you misgrooved it and, you know, you'll get it next time. Um, just get stronger and fix it and that'll get better too. Um, misgrooves happen. But if you're strong enough and, you, and you've gone through a hundred different variations, you might be able to fix that misgroove and, and get out of it. Where if you've never done it, you're not going to be, be able to get out of it. I think like, I like, I mean, I grew up watching Jordan Bird and Magic Johnson. I think of those guys and like Bird. There were so many, like so many videos of Larry Bird, like being in the corner and not being able to do anything. So he throws the ball up lefty and gets a shot and like, it's because he had practiced that so he could do that. And then the team's like, what the hell? We can't guard that. Like, well, yeah, because he practiced all these things. If he had never practiced it, he wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't be able to do it. So I said, if you, I'm not saying I want you to necessarily practice out of position. Um, I remember years ago that like some strength coaches were talking about practicing in like a valgus knee positioning to try to reduce ACL injuries. And I disagree with that. I think you trying to stay out of that position. Sounds awful. Um, but I get the idea behind it that it is like that position might happen. How do you get out of it? How do you, how can you get out of that position as fast as possible to get into a better position to save the lift or to save the, to save your knee when you're cutting from blowing out your knee. Um, so I think, you know, if you're just doing comp lifts at submaximal weights where your technique doesn't break down, that's great. But then on meet day, when the technique breaks down, what do you do? Um, if you know, if you've been in positions like that, maybe you can save the lift. If you haven't, I'm not really sure how you're going to save that lift. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, hope for the best. I mean, you know, you, you, it's great when, you know, you start, you start to, your hips start to shoot up and everyone's just yelling at you, hips, 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 hips. But like. Yes, I have those. Yes, yes, <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know, if you're, if you've been in that instance, you know full well that that isn't going to do shit. Um, you know, just there's different ways to, to counteract it and like, you know, different cues might work better too. But if you've been, if you've been in that good morning style position with a few hundred pounds in your back, then maybe you can get out of it now and fix it and save the lift where, like I said before, like all of a sudden your hips shoot up and everyone just yells hips and oh, there you go down to the ground. Um, you have to be ready. You have to be ready for the, like, you know, hope for the best 
but but plan, plan for the worst. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully on meet day, yeah, everything is a RP ten. You got nothing left in the tank, and it looks perfect. But I don't know anyone that lifts a max lift, and it looks pretty. If it looks pretty, I know like Wendler used to say this all the time. If it looks pretty, then it wasn't a max lift. Um, so a true max is gonna break down. So if you have like, and I think that's some of the the point of some of these lifts. Like I said, a good morning. Yes, I understand it trains your lower back and hamstrings and glutes, but it also puts you in a position that when your hips shoot up, you're, you're in that position. So now you know how to get out of the position because you've done a good morning. Or um, if your upper back rounds and you've done front squats, you, you know how to like, you know, get, try to like engage your lats and get your upper back tight and be able to stay, stay with it so you don't lose the bar and roll forward. Um, or... I, you know, I'm trying to think with the other list, like on bench press, like if you get stuck halfway up, you know how to like, you know, throw the bar back and get your elbows flared out to get your triceps to work harder or um, deadlift, you know, when you're breaking the floor and the bar starts kind of floating away from you when it gets hard right at mid shin and you know how to crank the bar back in your shins and then uh, throw your shoulders back to be able to finish the lift. And, you know, these are important things that you know, if you haven't done some close grip work or some RDLs and those positions, maybe you're not ready for on meet day. And now when the form breaks down because you haven't done it, you don't know how to save it and you miss a lift that you probably could have gotten. I don't know when, I don't know if it's like a, maybe because it takes more time, but like the idea of, of maybe I've seen young lifters use is just the like, only drilling technique and the cure to everything is just technique and not to like downplay that but maybe because the idea that like building strength takes time and if someone gives you a cue that you can fix your technique on it's sometimes could be instant it's more satisfying because it's an immediate fix yes right maybe something you're immediately in control of yeah Dave Tate talks about all the time and I've been to a couple seminars with Dave and um, it was like you know if, if you've got a mental he talks about like you know if you're missing a lift, it's mental, technical, strength. If it's mental, if we can figure out that cue, then maybe you can blast through an old plateau immediately. But it might take a while because you have to fix that mental aspect. If it's technical, I mean, I've literally been at some. I they did it with me years ago in, in my bench where literally they've given a couple cues and people's PRs went up thirty pounds in seconds, yeah. and that was it. And it's not. I mean, I've always been a shitty bencher, but like. When I was working with Jim and Dave, it wasn't like I suddenly got 30 pounds stronger in the one minute that they corrected my technique. I was strong enough. They just made my technique better. So all of a sudden, like my old PR, which they put on the bar without me knowing, I, and I moved it and I was like, wow, that felt like a warm up. And Jim was like, how did that feel? I'm like, well, you know, I'm seeing stars and my head hurts, but like the weight felt easy. And he's like, cool, that was your PR. And I was like, what? <laughs> like you know I remember hitting that gym that way in the gym like three or four weeks before and it was like a grind I wanted to die and I just smoked it and I was like oh wow so you know technical you can fix that and hit a huge PR fast but if your technique's on your mental aspect's there and you just need to get stronger that shit takes time mm-hmm. and like I, you're right I think a lot of people that's tough because getting stronger might take one, five, ten years but fixing your technique you know, someone who's good enough at it, like I said, Dave and Jim fixed my technique, and like I, it was probably a minute. Um, and like, how many of those are you gonna get in a lifetime where it's like one thing? Yeah, that's like oh, instant. Yeah, instant like feedback. you know, when I do like when I'm coaching someone and they're doing something wrong, that I can give them that 
that cue that fixes their technique and they hit a 20-pound PR, they think I'm a genius. And it's like, no, I got lucky. Yeah. Like, you were doing something that was meant, that was technically wrong that we fixed it. Like, you were strong enough. The strength was there. We just figured it out. Um, but, yeah, getting stronger is hard. So, I mean, like, I'm not saying technique doesn't matter, but we talked about this a little before, like, with um, technique matters for you. So... Yeah. When you tell me what perfect technique is, I don't really give a shit about perfect technique. I care about I care about what works for you, and I'll argue all the time with people about like, oh, you know, if your hips come up a little too early, then that's bad, and we got to make sure that your hips are staying down, and you're coming up at the same, you know, your hips and knees are staying at the same time. And yes, I'll agree with that for the most point, but I'll also say, okay, this person's got longer femurs, and it just it fits their anatomy better, and you know, you look at someone like. Kim Walford and people say, oh, well, she doesn't squat well because she's got that good morning style squat. She also squats like 420 at like 155 pounds. Like she's like, you know, top two or three in the world for her weight class. So to tell me that she's a bad squatter, like I'd love to be that bad. (laughs) So I I don't, I mean, yeah, you can hammer technique all day, but at the end of the, like, and I don't think, and I don't think Kim's technique is bad. I think she's just strong as shit. And she uses her technical abilities towards her anatomy, and it works. Um, you know, she's it. it like I mean, and she just won worlds again for the seventh, eighth time, whatever the hell it is. Like her, if you were to change her squat technique and try to have her squat completely upright and have her knees and hips extended at the same time, her squat would probably go down a hundred pounds. Um, so what you know? Okay, we worked her technique, but we just made her twentieth in the world instead of first. I don't, you know. There's a point where just being strong matters yeah. Yeah. more than, and that goes back to what we talked about before too, with the, like the leverages stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like at some point, being strong is more important than all the other things. The thing is, I would hate personally to be all like you're doing like this one thing wrong, and then all of a sudden my. Uh, like, I gain, like, 30 pounds of my lift. Because that only happens, like, once in your life. Because, like, once once you fix that one thing, it's like, oh, now I actually have to get strong again. Versus, like, I could have gotten strong <laughs> in that weird position. And then, like, 20 years from now, I'm like, hey, you know you're doing this one thing yeah. wrong? And it's like, fucked oh, up for crap. 20 years fucked now. up for 20 years now. <laughs> but, yeah, like, once that one thing is, like, dealt with, it's like, okay, now you have to get stronger inherently again anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like... All right. What now? now? (laughs) And I feel like a lot of people are always, like, at least when it comes to individuals who uh, record their lifts often, um, they're always, if they feel something's, like, off or wrong, they always record. And they're like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Instead of saying, like, okay, maybe it was just a rough day. It's 94 degrees in the gym right now. Maybe I can't squat that much because it's 94 degrees. That, I think, it plays a part in it, too, is if, I mean, I, I mean I'm i saying, like, I'm, like, 32, saying, like, oh, these fucking young kids. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's uh, it does play a part, too, where, like, it, maybe that's another part of it, is if now, because of social media, everyone is filming every rep of every set, and people are trying to, like, well, try this. I'm like, well, that was one day of one week of how many weeks of training. And yeah. It, you don't need a fix every time. Sometimes you just need to put in more time. Not to say you shouldn't care about technique but people get obsessive over minute details but the, the the inherent part of being in a sport like we are is 
it takes a lot of time and effort. You just have to put it in sometimes. Yeah, yeah and like again, like O'Brien like said, technique absolutely matters. Like I don't know, I don't know why I'm going basketball so much. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking, talking about basketball. Kawhi, yeah, I ruined our lives. Like, <laughs> but anyway, like with basketball, like I mean, I'm a Nets fan. when you're teaching someone how to shoot, like everyone, like we. I coached basketball for seven years. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach everyone how to shoot the basketball the same way. The same general things need to happen. If you're right handed, if you're right handed, your right foot's gonna be slightly in front of your left foot. Your left foot's gonna be slightly turned out. Your right, your finger should be spread on the ball. Your left hand should be on the side of the ball for guidance. Uh, flick your wrist. Keep the ball out of your palm. Things like that to get the so you can shoot correctly. But like I know for a fact, like one of my friends growing up had one of the weirdest shots I've ever seen. But like he had, like. It was completely backwards. He was a righty that shot like a lefty. Um, but he was good. Like, he could shoot from all over the place. So it worked for him. We would try it. We'd all just throw up air balls. It was ridiculous. I had another friend that, like, cocked the ball off to the side of his head, which is completely wrong. Coaches would tell him wrong all the time. He was one of the best three-point shooters that I grew up with. So, like, what works for you, you know, here here are the ideals. And we at least you have to follow some of them. Yeah. Again, like, you're... You're not going to teach someone how to squat the ideal way, and they're going to move the bar all the way off to the left side of their back and squat it. It's not going to go Damn right. Sick. But, like, they're going to follow – everyone's going to follow general things, but you still have to find what works for you. Um, and, you know, in a set of five, like, you might have five slightly different reps. Like, the so – yeah, don't – I don't know. One snapshot. Worry about the technique, but don't – don't, don't go crazy. Don't if it looks like shit, change it. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it looks like shit, there's something wrong. There needs to be something fixed. But if it doesn't look wrong, don't look for something wrong. I don't know why this is getting me really worked up right now. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Freaking Kawhi, man. It's just Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it's he should have gone to the Knicks. <laughs> the Knicks. <laughs> Maybe if they find a way to do a time-lapse video of like 10 years of training, it's really quick. We can make a judgment there instead of one. Yeah, right. That'd be we sick. should work on that. We should keep this camera on for ten years. Yeah, <laughs> you can just train the whole time. <laughs> A little better idea. <laughs> <laughs>